recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada, a Get a Grip management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Financially supported by the good folks at the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, this is Restoring Darkness podcast. This episode of Restoring Darkness is brought to you by Evluma. If you're serious about contributing to the reduction of light pollution, go to evluma.com, hover over products, and click on Dark Sky Friendly Lighting. Both the Omnimax and Ariamax lights are International Dark Sky Association certified. The warmer color temperatures of the Omnimax reduce the more easily scattered blue wavelengths, which contribute to glare and sky glow. With Ariamax lights, you get full cutoff, which also means no uplight and a significantly reduced contribution to sky glow. And all of Avluma's outdoor lighting product lines come with dimmable drivers for even more control. If your customer is looking for dark sky friendly fixtures with energy savings while still meeting the demands of decorative lighting, look no further than Evluma. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of dark skies. Welcome back, darkness lovers, to the Restoring Darkness podcast. On t- today's show, I have Catherine Toth of the International Landscape Lighting Institute, the IWLI. IWLEDU.org. It is a nonprofit educational organization that informs, educates, and promotes the art and technology of landscape lighting, allowing people to safely and securely navigate in the dark while providing a beautiful nighttime environment. They host the intensive course, which is a five day, five evening, hands on, hands on class created in the 1990s by internationally acclaimed lighting de- designer Janet Lennox Moyer. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, It is instructed by a dedicated team of experienced lighting designers, installers, electricians, and pruning experts. Our mentors. uh, Their mentors. Our high mentor, 16 plus to um, attendee to 27 maximum ratio. 16 mentors to 27 attendee ratio was created to maximize learning experience. The high ratio encourages attendees to be able to collaborate on the designs look at different design perspectives, experiment with different fixtures and techniques, and interact with other attendees and the mentors to form a cohesive lighting design. Additional information is available at IWLIDU.org. And I'm very pleased to be joined right now by Catherine Toth, a board member of ILLI. Catherine, welcome to the Restoring Darkness podcast. Thank you for having me, Michael. So, you know, there's often this this dilemma in um, landscape lighting where a lot of uplight, right? There's um, light on trees and this sort of stuff. And I'm, I, you know, and a lot of people have said, you know, what do you want, the lights to go off? And no, you know, how do we reconcile our desire to create beauty in the nighttime environment using light and you know, the priority to restore darkness and preserve nighttime environments? It's a great question. Um, it is delicate, but I would re- always recommend that you ha- are using controls. And this is the thing. We, we know that um, it helps so many different people and um, wildlife and the environment to remove the light whenever it's not in use. And most of the time, humans don't even realize um, or... Um, 
they feel the lack of the lighting if they're not outside enjoying the environment anyway. So an example of this is to turn the lights off by 10 or 11 p.m. And in special circumstances, if you have a very large property and you walk the dogs or something in the morning and you want the lights to turn on before it's sunrise, that makes sense. But let's limit it to certain hours so that we're not using the lights unnecessarily. It's, it's, it makes a lot of sense for lots of different reasons. It saves energy. It only puts the lights on whenever you need them. And what we're talking about is potentially turning the lights off at 10 p.m. and then they're off. They've only been on from about half an hour before sunset to 11 p.m. or 10 p.m. If, mm. if you can. If you're, if, sure. you're, if you're going to bed early enough, then why bother um, mm. having them on for an extra hour? And then maybe if you have a home control system or the ability to override that, if you have a special event or you're having a party on 4th of July or something like that, sure. you wanted to do something special, then maybe override it just for those special occasions, but not something all the time. You know, we don't want them to stay on past 11 any every night. In fact, 10 is my preferred time for the things to turn off. Um, that's the way I like to approach that with my clients. And I have a client that I've been working with for years. She's fabulous. She knows, she understands. So she, she's right in the middle of, of Los Angeles. So of course the street lights are the glary problem and the light pollution that she wants to avoid and really are creating a lot of this we're, we're kind of concerned with. But ultimately she's, she knows that she doesn't want her landscape lighting um, contributing to the problem if she can avoid it. And so we turn her lights off at 10 p.m. and they turn on in the morning because they do walk the dogs. Um, so they turn on around 5.30 in the morning because they get up pretty early. Well, um, she called me up a couple weeks ago and she said, oh my goodness, my lights are on all night long. And I said, mm. oh dear, let's fix this. So I called the programmer and they do have a, a control system. So I called the, the lighting system control programmer and I said, Hey, check the system. Is everything turning off at 10 and turning back on at five 30? And he said, yeah, everything's operating right. I I'll double check it. And he's like, yep, yep. Everything looks good. And I called my client back and I said, Hey, what time have you been going to bed? Oh, a little early lately. And so what time have you been waking up? She's like, Oh, a little later than normal. Mm. So she was going to bed at nine 30, not even realizing that the lights turned off at 10. Mm. waking up at 5.45 instead of 5.30. And so um, mm. in the morning, she thought that they had been on all night, but they had just turned on 15 minutes prior to her waking. Mm. So uh, there's lots of good ways to kind of handle these things and still be responsible with the, the landscape lighting that we're adding to spaces. Now, there's always the opportunity to not in include landscape lighting at all, It, but I don't think that's really what we're about. Like we want to encourage well-designed spaces that do have landscape lighting that are responsible. Um, if you're adjacent to a, like a dark sky uh, preserved area, like if you're right up against some national preserve that is a dark sky location, then you might really want to. Which is mostly nobody, energy. right? Which is, which is. <laughs> I mean, like usually, yeah, usually yeah, who, who, right. who is living but here, right but, inside. But let me let me just like, like there's a there's an old adage like you can have anything you want you just can't have everything you want, right? So, yeah. and so when it comes to lighting, there you know I live in a rural area here in in Ontario, Canada, and you know there's people that in, leave their lighting systems on in the entire from you know dusk until dawn, 
And there's absolutely no need to this. How do you handle the conspicuous consumption element of this? A lot of people want to do this simply because they want people to see their home from the road. And I know this is for sure because I, I, I live in a rural property myself. And I know that my neighbors absolutely seem to, all of them, seem to love to light their houses up at night. And, and I'm going to say this again. I'm a big believer in anonymous letters. And I send them anonymous letters saying, hey, why don't have a timer to turn your lights off at 10 or 11 o'clock from, you know, whatever. And then it'll be able to override that. How do we handle the conspicuous consumption element of landscape lighting that seem, the people seem to want to light their beautiful homes up all the time so everyone can see? That's our barrier, I think. And it's like, actually, it's better to be more interested in darkness and night and have you know have a little bit of light on light your fire before you go to bed but then let it burn out how do we handle that Catherine? well i'm not sure why they want to show off their home when nobody else is awake to appreciate it people drive um, by they're driving by on the roads at night right i i don't understand it either but yes but this is the same it's the same idea with billboards like really mm. do you need them to be that bright do you need and, and with a, and, and when I work with clients, I'm usually talking to them about these things. Uh, typically, my projects and my clients agree that they don't want to light the home. They want to light the view from the home. So it's more important to actually have a view outside your windows than actually be showing off the size of your home. There's lots of different techniques that you can use to illuminate and kind of show the grandeur of your home without lighting it specifically. But I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about those homes that have a whole bunch of wall washers the whole way along the facade that are just blasting the facade. That's not landscape lighting because you're not lighting the trees in that case. Because usually if you look at those um, mm. homes, they're not actually lighting the landscape. They're lighting true. the architecture of the facade. Mm. So it, it's interesting. So you're talking about the soffit lighting or whatever that, that happens or these kinds of lights that are put on, on the home to... It, you know, but also I think landscape lighting is also something that, you know, we, we that 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 you can you're saying view from the home, but you also view from the road or you view from outside the home. And I think we need to convince people as practitioners that, th that there's a huge importance we need to place on control because it's not responsible for a multitude of reasons to leave these lights on all night and the energy consumption, uh, you know, wasting the life of the particular light fixture. It's going to burn out quicker if you don't turn it off. Um, and, you know, do you really want the, you know, do you really want the high school drunks, you know, one with the designated driver, hopefully that to see your home, like, you know, maybe you want to hide your home a little bit at night so that it's not lit up. And I, I would say the default is to leave the lights on all night and we need to change that default to be that, yeah, have it on. You know, if your 4th of July party, have an override switch, um, call the controls guy or whatever. But we need to convince these people with the landscape lighting that, yes, there needs to be an off time at night. And how do you have those conversations? Well, I'm usually working on uh, very uh, high-end projects with, um, with Lutron controls or some other control system mm -hmm. that has this capability that's very simple because it's already got an astronomic clock built in. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I start the education process and conversation with my client from day one, like the first conversation I have with them or with their architect, then I'm starting to talk about controls and how we're going to actually use an interface with the lighting on the property. 
Uh, but there are simple systems. There are simple astronomic clocks that you can just plug into if you have a plug-in transformer outside. So, and simple time clocks that you can utilize um, to control how mm. when when lights are on. Yeah, it doesn't have to be super expensive. It doesn't have to be super high end for you to turn your lights off at a responsible hour. And and that really is the big recommendation. Now. The other thing is, is with landscape lighting, we're usually talking about very low light levels. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is a, an overriding principle with landscape lighting. Um, it's an accent. Less, less light. It's an accent. It's less light is, and, and uh, more more of them, but less light for, for each to kind of bring out the um, three-dimension three-dimensional um, qualities of the landscape and the texture of the um, plant material. So we really recommend less light in a lot of locations. And when I mean less light, I mean, we're talking about like less than 300 lumens for these fixtures that I'm talking about. Like they're way less than this. Like, you know, even sometimes I want 50 or less, you know, like, and, and we screen them and we, we want less light. Less and light. they're low Kelvin now, temperatures as well, I, I would assume? Oh, yes, Absolutely. Always low Kelvin temperatures, and and that's what's usually preferred anyway. But that is the recommendation uh, from the IDA and uh, professionally as a, a lighting designer, I would always recommend three thousand Kelvin or uh, lower, uh, which is a warm white light. Um, it helps with the environment. It helps um, with your circadian rhythm. Uh, it brings out the color and the texture of things just perfectly fine. But we definitely don't want on the blue side, like 5,000 Kelvin, mm. which is very common for you to see. It's very, very, very much too much um, uh, blue light for the night sky. It's offensive. It's offensive, and I can tell by your face. You know, what? one of the things you said right there... Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can tell like, like there's a, I actually have a disgust reaction to 5,000 Kelvin outdoor outdoor lights everywhere I, like at this point once you know you know but the um, I like this you just said something that is super interesting to me more lights but more. less uh, less light like more more of them I think that and this is why I've always tried to convince the industry that darkness restoration and night preservation represents a bonanza for the lighting industry because nobody's going to accept no outdoor light okay right yeah (laughs) i don't think so not in our culture right now no it's not like it's not possible there's a there's an element of light that is a security element i don't like the word safety i'm trying to get rid of the word safety but there's a security element to outdoor light that's important and i and and what darkness restoration and night preservation demands is more lights at lower light levels and more controllability. What could be more valuable to the lighting industry, Catherine, than having more lights at lower light levels but with more controllability? That sounds like a, an amazing recipe for lighting designers and distributors and contractors and all the people, manufacturers in the industry to start to sell a lot more lights. Um, well. <laughs> yeah, but but it, only if they're designing it well. Um, mm. You know, if you're just blasting the daylights out of something, then that's not good design. And and really, I mean, as a board member of the International Landscape Lighting Institute, ILLI, we support um, landscape lighting that is well designed, and that mm. is what we are teaching and practicing. Uh, we have an intensive course that is five days long that is fabulous to teach design, and it touches on a lot more than just design. But we really like. The entire class is revolving around how to design properly. 
um, and we stand back at the end of the night and look at everything. We have a couple nights where we're we're taking a look at everything and making sure that the light levels are balanced and nothing's washing out too much over here and balanced over here. And there's you know variety and texture coming because um, if it's all like really bright, that's just washing things out. That's not the aesthetic value that we want to convey and the good design that we're looking for. And when you're and when you're designing these systems. Are these new construction homes, or do you also do renovations on existing homes? The, the, the project I was call, uh, telling you about with the client who um, was waking up or going to bed early and waking sure. up early or late, um, she, that, that's a project that is a renovation. Um, they did do a whole landscape renovation, um, and so we, uh, we, we kind of had the opportunity to add power uh, where we needed to, which was convenient. Uh, but for the most part, there, it's it's a huge variety of things where there they it could be new construction, but it doesn't have to be. In fact, usually what happens on projects is landscape lighting is the last thing that everybody has money for. So they're mm. like, let's just get in the house. And so if what I would recommend is if you are you know tearing up your yard for any other reason, be thinking about the lighting that you might want to be able to add in maybe a year or two maybe maybe your finances aren't going to allow you to um install it right now but pull the power make sure that you have the infrastructure there while everything's already torn up because that's the expensive part um and then and then make sure that you know you can add to the system later on and i talk to clients through that all the time where they're not sure how much they want to add but let's plan for a full-blown you know lighting design for the landscape um and get the infrastructure there while their their yard is already torn up and then um you know if they're adding landscape um, lighting it's it's not a big deal and after the fact um, there are projects where um they they have everything the way they want and they're like, Oh yeah, we forgot about lighting. Now that's a little bit tougher, but remember <laughs> we're talking about low. Yeah, it is. It's like, Ooh, what works? Um, sometimes they don't even have power outside and that's a big problem. But uh, typically all this is low voltage and I would recommend that for even commercial environments. Um, low voltage lighting um, is, is the way to go for safety. Um, and like if you cut a line, you're not, or if you, if it goes a lot, as if it, if it's live and you touch it, you're not going to hurt yourself. Mm. You know, and whenever we say low voltage, we're talking about um, 24 volts or under. And typically, landscape lighting is 12 volts, mm -hmm. so it's a very low um, uh, output. And and the good thing is, is uh, it doesn't have to be buried deep in the ground. Mm -hmm. um, so like, th there's lots of benefits to it. Um, anything that's line voltage must be um, 18. Um, inches or more um, underground, which is, is a lot deeper and um, it would need to be conduit, you know, so nobody cuts through it. And uh, so, and it's, it's a safety risk risk. And I've seen so many commercial environments where they have line voltage going up a tree and I'm just like, no, it's not safe. Don't do that. You know? Uh, so we want to make sure that we're encouraging safe practice um, for, with low voltage. I hope that answered the questions. It like did. But what, you know, what, what you said there, what was interesting to me was that, you know, um, there's a lot of focus in this movement on new construction. Okay. But mm -hmm. every building we know already exists. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when we're talking about new construction, we're talking about things that don't exist already. So all the light pollution oh. or whatever your priority is, whether it's energy efficiency or whatever, all those buildings are already oh. there. And, I would say that the as a lighting distributor, uh, you're a designer, but as a lighting distributor, someone who sells lights over the counter, on the phone, on the internet, this kind of stuff, um, mm -hmm. most of our buildings are already there, and most of our lights 
that we're selling are going to buildings that already exist. And so this idea that, you know, that it's already built, there's nothing we can do about it, let's focus on new construction, is, is something that is focused on not solving the problem, right? The problem is the existing buildings. And so um, what I'm interested in, in, in for you is the talk track. How do you, again, I'm going to ask you again, not again, but kind of in a different way. How do you talk to clients about controls? When you, like, you know, controls are an adder, right? And, and you know, look, Leviton makes this, be- and there you go, go to leviton.com or whatever. I'm going to send you the invoice, Leviton. But they make this this little light switch that you can, um, that you can program based on your latitude and longitude, which you can set for, you know, sunset for two hours, you know, two hours before sunrise or whatever it is that you want. And it's cheap and cheerful and you can put those in all day and you don't have to have an app on your phone. How do you get over the fussiness and the uh, about controls or the idea that people should be able to turn their lights off? How do you sell that is really what I would like to know. I think it's just an education. Um, and if you're having a conversation with the, the client, you should be like, well, I, I really want to help you with this design. I want it to look good, but I also want it to be responsible. And that's usually how I say it to my clients. Let's be responsible about this. We might be in an area where we really want to be self-conscious about any uplight that we're adding to the space. And let's make sure that we're um, turning those off appropriately. Now, if they're using downlights um, for security or like walkways in a kind of a commercial environment, that's a little different. Um, Downlights from the trees um, can be utilized that way. Um, Path lights oftentimes would be Mm. something that they might want to leave on all night. But it's very easy for them to have two separate transformers, um, you know, one that's allowed to stay on all night and the one that is turning everything else off at 10 p.m. And I love that you have you already know that um, there's something affordable on the market that can take care of this problem. If it's affordable and they're already splurging on landscape lighting and let's just face it, this is all a splurge. It's Um, a splurge. It's a splurge. Then add the but, extra, like, but you know what? Um, but you know, like, like, I, I, I don't. I'm not anti this sort of stuff. I, I let's splurge a little bit. Like, you know, I, I <laughs> you know, like people splurged and they built Chartres Cathedral in France. You know, like there's beautiful things that we can make and build. You know, with our technology and our and our and our and you know our 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 artistic minds that we can deploy. And but you know, at the end of the day, we want people to know that at you know, you know, with a with a step light or something like that, that's not causing light pollution. Okay, there's other things that are far more um, uh, effective ways to reduce light pollution than worrying about somebody's step lights or something like that. You know, so I I would agree with you on that. That there are certain things that we can do that are you know people can have that on all the time. We don't need regulations. We don't need the light police to come around and tell everyone to turn off their lights. But at the same time. Um, we also don't need complicated and fussy and these types of apps on our phone lighting control systems that I think are problem causing and wreck things down the road or like are, are, are like embedding a, um, what do they call that? Um, there's a name for that, uh, planned obsolescence, you know, into it yes. where that, that, you know, that system is no longer supported on BlackBerry. Or whatever the or Apple, yeah, like, you know what I mean. Sorry, you've got yeah. what you got now. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that 
Yeah. So, um, so you, you are you in favor of some of these lower cost control options in your designs that just give people an off and an on when it's appropriate? Well, yes, yes and no. I, I off and on is the very simplest, and as long as it's turned off by ten or eleven p.m., I'm okay mm. with that. Um, but I do recommend dimming, and that's because I've had so many problems with lights being too bright. And okay, here's a great example. I have a path light. It's three watts. It's downlight only. It's a path light. It's minimalistic. It's gorgeous. Um, it disappears during the day um, and at night. I'm like, I need like a third of the light. If, mm. if, if even if that, that, you know, yes. Yeah. And it's, it's three watts. Mm. <laughs> it's like, that's, sure. it's not a lot of light. Um, it's, it's a lot less, um, lumens than I thought it was whenever I looked at the, you know, the lumen output, I was kind of shocked, but in person, um, you need less light than you really think you do. Oh, for sure. And so that's, you know, that's where I would say dimming really does come into play if you can. Um, now if you've got an existing space, dimming's really complicated and it can really hinder you. Um, but at the very least, have a couple different um, transformers with the astronomic little plug-in box there to turn everything off appropriately, and you should be fine. It's part of the design. And this is the thing. If you're selling landscape lighting, be responsible about it and make sure that you have controls integrated and in your budget uh, it, as a baseline. It can't be something that's an adder. Um, or something that gets skipped to um, value engineer the project. It's something that is, oh, it's it's required to function. In, instead of it being an adder, think of it as a requirement to function. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. it, it it's not, yeah, this is, uh, it, yeah. It, unfortunately, um, the people that subtract it often win, you know? And, um, and I'm not one of these, you know, I, I don't come from the position that I know everything and other people that don't decide to use my solution are less are better, worse designers than me or whatever that, you know, they're not as good at lighting as me. I don't want to go to, to that position, but I mean, the, I think the controls industry needs to do a better job in telling people that there are simple controls and there are medium level controls and there are comple complex controls and you don't need to have any one of these things particularly but you need to have one of them pick, pick your poison right yes like, you know pick your solution it's it's going to solve all these problems let's yes. let's pick one it yes needs to be included there needs to be, it's almost like the, the way that the, I always call it the controls, lighting controls, boom, bust cycle, you know, that they, they think that they have some technology that's going to solve all the problems. Now it's Bluetooth mesh or, you know, before it was connecting it with cat five cable or whatever, but it, it always seems, it always seems to me like they, um, they're advertising the latest and greatest instead of saying we have all these proven and reliable solutions and you can do this other thing and you need to do at least the proven and reliable ones before you that has to be your base and then you expand from there instead of having this you know on your phone on your iphone is a an app that you download and then you can control and configure all your lights i think it needs to be they're off at certain times or dimmed at certain times or certain ones are dimmed and then do you want more control I'm not sure if I want more control. Do you want alerts from your lighting system that on your phone that that's that, that the path lights went off? Not really. 
you know, I, I wonder to myself about that. What are your thoughts? Oh, well, I think that in general, like less is more with letting and, <laughs> and I'm sorry, um, even with the complicated systems that I, I help make sure are installed um, for my clients, I make sure that they're simple enough and that the client is able to work with the system. Um, and, and that's the whole name of the game. This is the, the lights, light switches on the interior side, especially are the things that you touch more than you realize. I, I dare you to take a day and count how many times you touch a light fixture. And, and light you're, switch, you're like, you mean light switch? light switch? Sorry, sorry, a light switch, yes, a dimmer. And hopefully it's dimmers. Hopefully they're dimmers all the whole way across your in the interior home. Um, but you know, every time you touch that dimmer, count it, and you'd be shocked at how many times you're actually touching this. And this is why like lighting control systems like um, Radio Raw or um, you know the other kind of um, Bluetooth systems that are on the market right now are so popular because they're easy to retrofit into a, a home or any kind of location that has only on-off capability. But mm -hmm. now we're we're finally getting there where everybody can dim everything on the inside. That should be expanding to the outside. And and every time you have a system that is less than you know a million and one times you touch your dimmer every day, um, it's better for for everybody because it's a simpler system. Uh, I like to set up uh, systems where nobody has to touch them. So like for a hotel or a restaurant, the system is set to a twenty four hour period. It's based on the um, an astronomical clock, so it knows when sunrise and sunset is. It's automatically going to change from the different scenes. And the same is for the exterior, where it automatically knows, hey, we're going to turn off. Those are sophisticated systems, but you don't need that in order to, um, you know, really save energy and to be efficient with your lighting controls. Um, these Bluetooth and Zigbee wireless um, systems that are available on the market can be a really great solution. But I think less is more where if you can pre-program that to a 24 hour scene and not have to worry about your lights, you know that it, the, the light at, um, in, just inside your front door is going to be on or the sconce outside your home is going to be on right before you come home. So it's not going to be something that has to be on whenever you're not using it. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. You know, lighting it lighting is not a refrigerator, okay? Yeah. It doesn't have to stay on all the time, right? It and have I, to stay on. and I think one of the failures of the the um, lighting controls advocates, and I love them. We actually produce the lighting controls podcast right here in Get a Grip Studios, so we produce the, the their show and and um and we promote it and and but I think one of the failures of their mindset and, and you correct me if i'm wrong because you're dealing with homeowners which I, homeowners are always the canary in the coal mine they're going to tell you what people are actually going to use actually you know they're going to show you so i don't believe that people actually want too much accessibility to their lighting i don't think they actually want an app i think they want it configured properly I think they want it to work the way the way they want it to work. They want to have access, but I, you know, and especially on the high end, I think most people would rather call someone to reconfigure their controls than when it when something go like your your anecdote in the beginning about the woman that oh my god my lights are must be on all night, who do I call rather than trying to go on their phone and figure out another application. You know, like it takes a time out of their day. And so I think that there's an over, um, what's the right word? An overemphasis on giving people control over 
multiple configurations when what they really want is when I'm not there, I'm okay with the lights off. It's not a refrigerator. And um, when I'm there, I want the lights on. And if we could just give them that, and then when I go to bed, the lights go off. You know, if we could just give them that simplicity without having them to have to configure it themselves or give them sort of some sort of responsibility over it, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to have more uptake. What is your thoughts on that, Catherine? I think that you're right. I think our culture prefers to, well, I, I think it, it might be a generational thing as well, um, and not to age myself or become an ageist or sound like an ageist. Um, but I do feel like um, a lot of clients do prefer to make a phone call and solve the problem that way instead of going on their app. That client that I mentioned earlier has an app, has the ability to dig around and change things herself. But she called because she was really worried and she doesn't want to break anything. And that's the big problem with um, controls. It's easy to break something. In mm -hmm. um, yeah. So the less fuss, the better, which is good. Um, I do not believe that everyone wants to be as accessible and online, but there are some people that really do um, love to have everything. You know, if they're you know traveling internationally, they like to know what's happening in their homes. And there's so many affordable um, systems for security and lighting that interface with what they've got already that allow them to um, see um, security or see what lights have been turned on or whatever um, at their home, even though they're not home, that helps them um, feel like they know what's going on, mm. even if they're um, mm. far away. Now, this is a thing with... Um, but I would say, I would I say that, I would say, I would argue that that is, that, that that person that's like that is the exception rather than the rule. These are these are friends that I, I have worked with for, for many years and they do travel a lot. So but there are a lot of clients that, that people and is at least in our um, culture, we travel, you know, like it is sure. it is one of the things that we do. And so there is something to be said to have the house look like your home, but not be home. So that, and I know that Lutron sells that, um, they, they basically on, on some of their systems have a variety. They basically study how you use the lights and when they're turned on and off and they'll like automatically program, uh, you know, a, a vacation mode and the vacation mode means you're not home, but there's a little variety. It's not like clockwork when everything is turning on. Um, but it kind of looks like things are, it's, it's, people are still home so that it deters from theft. But also, usually this is in conjunction with a home security system. So I would worry less about that anyway. Mm. Um, but it's still something that I think needs to be mentioned. But I love the plan of, especially for landscape lighting, you're, if you're not home to enjoy it, why bother having mm -hmm. it on? Like, uh, we, I think it's an Or if you're asleep. Or if you're asleep. If you're asleep. If you're asleep. Um, if you want to... If, if you want to be responsible about the environment and enjoy the night sky and stargaze, um, you know, you can't stargaze in a lot of places in the world, but in some places that are very rural, it's very easy to stargaze and the landscape lighting would deter from that. So mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're making these recommendations for everyone so that it, it like is a wave of lights turning off more so mm. than anything. <laughs> um, and we understand that the real problem is not necessarily landscape lighting at all. No. Um, landscape lighting isn't the problem. Uh, street and area lighting um, and um, parking lot lighting and um, car dealerships and billboards. They're looming bright. Um, so those are really the problem. But let's also be con conscious of the fact that every window becomes a light source at night. So, um, and there's 
tons of decorative lighting fixtures on facades of homes that exist right now that don't even have a dimmer on those sconces or on the, the, the um, uh, and they're, they're any contributing the to sky glow for sure. There's no question about it. They are. And so that's why I like to make sure that I'm working with my clients to know it's my job as, uh, as, as a professional in the industry to educate them as much as I can to help them make good, wise decisions. Um, it saves on energy. It saves on the environment. Um, it helps with the wildlife. It helps with all of our circadian rhythms. There's so many reasons that we want to um, prevent this from happening. And I mean, just think of all of the millions of years that we've existed without artificial <laughs> um, lighting, right? other than like gas lanterns and fire, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, this is a new thing and this is a problem that we want to fix before it's blown out of control. And so we thank Catherine Toth of the International Landscape Lighting Institute, org. Again, a nonprofit organization teaching about the principles of landscape lighting. Check them out. And we thank you, the listeners. And I know I speak on behalf of Catherine and myself and Scott, the producer, and all the people at Nailed and everybody that supports this show. Say thank you to all you people who listen out there. Wouldn't be nothing without you. Bye for now. Look no further for dark sky friendly products than Evluma. Since its first product launch, Evluma has carried one or more International Dark Sky Association certified models. If your customer cares about light pollution, suggest the Omnimax with shielding or the Ariamax with full cutoff to reduce uplight and glare. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of darkness.